And I said, look, I always take adversity and turn it into advantage with the one thing that's everything, which is knowing how to ask, who to ask, how to ask, when to ask, to get what you want. What am I saying? If you ask yourself the right questions at the right time, you're gonna get the right result right here, right now. I believe you're coded a DNA and RNA at birth with a destiny in your job, my job, our job is to find it. Welcome to the Hell Yes Life podcast, where you'll hear inspiring stories and life lessons from amazing Hell Yes entrepreneurs who are running their four purpose businesses and living their Hell Yes lives. I'm your host, Norman Bell. Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of the Hell Yes Life podcast. This is your host, Norman Bell, and this is our first uh, interview episode of 2021, and we are starting off with a big one. It's uh, our, our guest today is Mark Victor Hansen, and uh, Mark is probably best known as the co-author of a little something called the Chicken Soup for the Soul book series you may have heard of, um, uh, and the Chicken Soup for the Soul book series has actually set world records in book sales with over 500 million books sold. Amazing, amazing. Um, Mark is also a prolific writer with 307 books authored or co authored, including The Aladdin Factor, The Power of Focus, The Richest Kids in America, You Have a Book in You, and The One Minute Millionaire series. There you go. Thank you, Mark. <laughs> uh, if, you're, if you're watching on video, you'll see these uh, the, the book covers uh, that Mark's holding up. Mark is also a sought-after keynote speaker who has spoken to 7,000 audiences in 78 countries. Now, Mark's new book, which we'll be talking a bit about today, uh, which he co-wrote with his partner, Crystal Dwyer Hansen, is called Ask the Bridge from Your Dreams to Your Destiny. Mark, welcome to the Hell Yes Life podcast. Well, hell yes. I'm glad to be here. <laughs> All right. Oh, I love the accent. I didn't realize. Um, well, Mark, let's see. So I always like to start off by asking my guests, of course, we'll get into everything around the book. And I, I really want to hear the kind of the story about how, you know, you might've started, uh, how you started Chicken Soup for the Soul. But I always like to uh, ask my guests, um, what is your hell yes? What is that thing that really lights you up and makes you come alive? that I'd like to be able to have my books read by all 8 billion people currently alive, which will probably go to 10 billion in the next two decades. So, yeah. uh, and cause I believe reading is a fundamental freedom and, and my books set you free. My books teach, you know, like this book that we're doing right now, ask the bridge from dreams to destiny. I believe everyone's got a destiny and most people don't know how to get to it. And our job is to help everyone find their destiny using the technology in this book, which we say, ask yourself, ask others and ask God. Excellent. Excellent. And we're going to dive into, you know, we're going to get a taste of the, the book over the course of this interview. Um, I always like to ask the follow-up question, which is um, when did you realize this was your hell? Yes. Can you, can you pinpoint a time in your life when, okay. when you, yeah. It, when I was 16 years old, the Beatles came out. I started a little rock group. I called up my best friend. We made a fair amount of money, bought a car, had motorcycles, all the cool stuff, scuba diving equipment. But 
we decided <laughs> on, to do senior skip day. I know you would never do such a thing, right? No, no, of but, course but not. But eight of us, uh, you know, most of my band members, we took off and went. I lived in Waukegan, Illinois, went to Chicago, went to a play. One guy who didn't go with us welched on us. He thought it was funny. And we got 40 detentions, which meant 40 nights after. And I already had another job other than just a band at the newspaper company. So we had to go sit in detention. We couldn't talk. So I started writing. And I was hitting on this woman next to me. And, and uh, she never went out with me, by the way, which the current joke is because of COVID. You know, that woman that said she wouldn't go out with you unless you're the last man on earth. Maybe you're shot. <laughs> I, I don't know what happened to her. I have no interest. But the point is, I started writing and, and it went all the way around the class. And, and she started saying, well, I hope the swamps of Ragoon go into your throat and drown you. You know, meaning that she really liked what I wrote because she handed it out. And, and everybody else, the 39 other detainees, you know, said, hey, hey, write some more. You're really cool. You know, because back then it was not... Uh, most people were reading excessively, and I was. I was. My parents were illiterate Danish people because they came over at 14 years old from the old country because my uncle created the Black Band to take all the Jews into Denmark. Um, oh, and wow. so they just didn't have a shot. They didn't have, there's no such thing as English as a second language, ESL, you know, back in the uh, 30s. It just didn't exist, right? Mm -hmm. 30s, 40s. So bless me, I was in remedial reading from first grade to sixth grade and, and now I'm world's best-selling author in nonfiction. So that's pretty cool transition, don't you think? Absolutely. Absolutely. Very inspiring. So I guess it was a good thing that you you ended up getting in detention at that time. Yeah. Otherwise, we wouldn't be here today, would we? Yeah, it worked for me. One of two. The other one would be uh, when I went bankrupt and upside down, somebody said, um, you know, I, I knew what I wanted. I remember I'm saying, ask yourself, ask others, ask God. I asked myself, what do I want to do? And I want to talk to people that care about things that matter that would make a life-changing difference. And I go to my roommates. I'm in Hicksville, Long Island, New York. I'd blown out $2 million company. I'd built Wall Street Racket Club, Botanical Gardens, all that out of plastic, PVC, polyvinyl chloride at the wrong time in history, 1974. We ran, you remember we had gas lines. You may be too young to know that. But then I'm doing these talks at little insurance meetings, six people, 20 people, 50 people. And they all said, yeah, that story in a book. And the first book I did was this not available anymore, but stand up, speak out and win. I sold from a platform 20,000 copies at $10 each. So I, I tripled my income. I made, remember 1974, that is uh, $200,000. Serious, serious money. I mean, I, oh, wow. and I said to the audiences, I said, look, this isn't a New York Times bestseller. It's not a national bestseller, but it's my bestseller. And I want to sign to you, your wife, your kids, and your dog. <laughs> and they all laughed and said, Oh, that guy's so silly. But they all bought the book at $10. I was, I had new cars. Again, I'm floating. And you know, every, what it, the reason I tell that story, Norman, is that there's a lot of people that are in a hell of a fix right now to use your coin. And, and we're in this COVID cocoon. Yeah. And what we're saying is the only way Crystal, my wife and I decided to get out is everyone's got to learn how to ask. And we give the tools and technology and what's happened below Zarmon, we got 121 letters yesterday. People say, I didn't buy one, I bought three. I bought one for me, one for my partner. Now that could be a marital partner, a business partner, a mastermind partner, a church partner, temple partner, whatever. And then one for the library, because libraries are all bankrupt. They can't even buy my book. And everyone's saying, I don't have any money, but can I go to the library and get it? And the libraries are saying, hey, can you give it? Well, I can't give out 16,000 books. I'm rich, but I'm not that rich. Mm -hmm. That's a lot of books. Yeah. But, you know. Yeah, $20, it's a serious amount of jack. So, so people are buying books and giving them a library. Thank you. You know, it just is wonderful fun.
Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, let's um, let's dive into the the book, and and um, you know, I think maybe I'm going to get some points here because your book is called Ask, and I'm going to be asking you questions for you know this this whole time. So I think I might be on the right track here. But I wanted to start off by asking you the question: Why ask? And so, and what I mean by that is, why did you why did you decide to write this book, and why now? And and actually, I also want to ask: Did you did you write and kind of produce this book before the onset of COVID or was it uh, related to um, the times we're in? Great questions all. Uh, my wife and I, as you said, travel around all these great countries. Like it's, it's actually a little higher now, 80, uh, and, and talk to 7 million people. And what happened is that we see great people, wonderful people, educated people, professional people. And the difference in those who succeed a little, Norman, and those who are vastly successful is one thing only. We discovered it in our own lives and in all these people. They know how to ask to get what they want. And, you know, and what happened is we started writing the book uh, two years ago. Our we got a great publisher, former head of Simon & Schuster, lovely guy. Uh, Simon Schuster originally was one of the 144 that turned on Jack and I. So it's a fascinating thing that now I'm with seven houses because <laughs> I'm sort of prolific and, and, and uh, love keeping that stuff up. Anyhow, uh, we wrote it and then he calls us up in April and he had COVID, curiously. There's a wonderful guy who I'm not going to beat up on him, but he said, hey, you want to push back the book? And I said, no, 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 no. I've learned to ask. My whole life is ask my way out of troubles, which I'll teach in a couple of stories today. And I said, look, I always take adversity and turn it into advantage with the one thing that's everything, which is knowing how to ask, who to ask, how to ask, when to ask to get what you want. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So, so he told us to push it back. Well, if we push it back, we wouldn't be, we're one of the four best-selling books literally in the world because Amazon's everywhere. And you're the 117th podcast we've done since it came out in April. We did, we did one in Vietnam where we were twice in the last two years and, you know, 10 million people on the podcast. It just went, it just is amazing, you know, because wow. this is the number one business book selling my one minute millionaire, which is two books in one selling in Vietnam because everybody there is industrious. They want to work and they're trying to prevent China from coming in and being communist. That may be more answer than you wanted. And if it is, I apologize. No, yeah, go anywhere you want. Uh, that's that's uh, fascinating, and um, yeah, I guess that's a, a great um, great example of just uh, moving forward regardless of what the world uh, presents presents you with. There, right? So, well, that's why the richest man is a richest man. I mean, I, I'm a fan, and you may not be of Elon Musk, who's become the richest man. And when the governor of his state, California, my old state, wanted to say, "Hey, you can't make any more cars." He calls up 3M and says, hey, you guys, you haven't got what it takes to make enough ventilators. I can make them. I got 3D printing. I got metal. I got metal. But he also happened to make 90,000 cars. I don't know if you know that and became the richest man in the world. What am I saying? If you ask yourself the right questions at the right time, you're going to get the right result right here, right now. And he is courageous. I don't know him. He's not a friend, but I'm a, a fan of his. Is it? Is it? Uh, he's asking the right questions. And every one of us has to do that deep soul searching. My wife, who's a transformational life coach says, you gotta do mind excavation to get rid of the stuff that doesn't work and, and lock in and focus on stuff that does work. Excellent. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I, I noticed something about Tesla and Elon Musk uh, a week or two ago that, yeah, that he had become the richest man in the world. And I, I feel like 
he what you know he's he's really just taken off over the course of 2020 and I, of course i've been a little busy paying attention to other other uh things going on in the news uh but he's obviously been hard at work so uh hats off to him well so let's dive into the book um why don't you give us a high level sort of um idea of of the you know what you mean by this about the power of asking um the three main areas and then we can kind of uh, dive in and go wherever you want to go so the, the high level is, is that what we discovered, the first front of the book is we do seven roadblocks to asking. The first one is self-worth. And, and by the way, when, in the highest level of the book, we wrote everything we knew. Then we did the full study at Harvard and Stanford, Cambridge, and found out everybody that asks flourishes. People who don't ask, Right. And, and most of you are going, oh, I can't ask now. It's COVID times and, and nobody's hiring and nobody's working. Bunk. Everything's always working for somebody that knows how to ask. I've never said that before, but that's my impression. And then what we did is we interviewed 26 superstar askers that we've met along the way around the world. And, and the stories just will blow your mind. So we decided to write the book. We found seven roadblocks. First one is a sense of self unworthiness, right? I can't ask. I don't know enough for my parents put me down and teachers put me down military put me down business put me down says you sit there and learn. I'll tell you all the wisdom. I'm the teacher, right? No, no, no. no. I want to ask. That's the way to get to brilliance. And then number two is doubt. I don't know if I'm good enough to talk or ask or ask her out to date or him out for a coffee or whatever. Then, then there's a excuseology and well, I would have, but I'm afraid to, right? And, and we self-reject, which is really nuts. You know, whole other level. Next is naivete, where you are you don't know that you don't know. And my wife loves to do the story of uh, housekeeper Imelda took care of the kids. And one day she, she was from the Philippines, comes in with this delicious orange fruit. My wife tastes it and goes, wow, Imelda, that is the best fruit I, we've ever tasted. Where did it come from? Thinking it was exotic, came from the Philippines. She says, oh, the grocery store. And my wife says, oh, my gosh, I've had blinders on. I spent my whole life thinking I'm an enculturated woman. I know my way around. But remember, she grew up in Idaho, which potatoes. And I grew up in Illinois with corn. And you just don't see um, that kind of fruit. It just doesn't exist. Orange, beautiful. I'm, I'm sure you've had it, haven't you? Uh, yeah, I think maybe I have. Yeah, mango. If you haven't, everybody yeah, listening, sure. get, have somebody taste the mango. I tasted it oh, yeah, when I was a student ambassador to India. So it was just it was wonderful. I went. Oh my gosh, this is delicious, sweet, tasty, and all that. Um, next one is pattern paralysis, where you do the same pattern over and over and over again. And my teacher in graduate school was Dr. Buckminster Fuller. His teacher was Einstein. And Albert said, if you keep doing the same thing and expect new results, you're cuckoo, you're crazy, right? <laughs> and that's just it. And then the last one, number seven in our book, is a disconnect. And what's happened is, because of COVID, you asked me to allude to this, there are five faint. Number one, there's the fear of COVID, which there's a lot of ways to get rid of it, like ivermectin and all that, which you can prevent it. But Big Pharma doesn't want anyone to know that. But you can go on YouTube and watch this stuff with Dr. Pierre Corey and Senator Ron Johnson. Uh, number two, there's the general fear, uh, the fear of fears. Number three is the media fear and then tech fear. And then uh, the fear of China, because, you know, they would love to have a non- ability and just take over America if they could. How's that? Mm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. You may uh, not agree. You're allowed to disagree with anything you want. Oh yeah. Well, you know, let's, let's just, uh, you know, up, up for, up for discussion, I suppose. Um, well, so to come back to the, um, 
right. the obstacles. And so I, I, I want to maybe try, try to paint the picture. So when you say, you know, you've met superstar askers and that asking is, is kind of the key to success. Um, can you give some examples of what types of asking? And I know you outlined some of this in the book uh, uh, of, of what you mean by that. So I know that there's the three main areas, you know, to yourself, to others, to God, the universe, whatever you want to call it. Um, but uh, g- give some examples of, of, of these key areas where people are succeeding when they ask and not when they don't. Perfect. Uh, let me do one of the stories. It covers all seven areas, the roadblocks, as far as I'm concerned. I've got a great friend, Jim Stovall, who I've never met except by telephone. And uh, Stovall, at 19 years old, is big, fast, strong. He's going to be an NFL player, National Football League, superstar. He gets, he tries out. They recruit him. The doctor checks him out and says, look, kid, I'm sorry. I've never told anyone this. This is the worst news I've ever had to give another human being. But you are going to be totally, absolutely, completely blind in six months for the rest of your life. Well, now Jim Stovall, this big giant of a man, is in his little 9 by 12 self-incarcerated room with a telephone, a television, and um, a radio. And he's moaning and bemoaning. And his mommy says, Jimmy, go down to the blind meeting. Maybe they can help you. He goes down there, and it's an echo chamber of negativity, which is why I say to people, you know, in times like this, just like when I went bankrupt, you got to shut off all the news and just pour in positive self-help action stuff, the kind of stuff I write and read. So mm-hmm. I'm rather keen on it. Anyhow, he goes down to that meeting, sits next to a woman fortuitously named Kathy. And he says, you know, in the old days, Kathy, I used to love to watch somebody throw a right hook and watch a movie or TV. And somebody ought to do something about it. That's the key critical question. She hits him in the ribs and says, wait a second. I'm a court stenographer. I'm blind. You're somebody, I'm somebody. Why can't we do something? And remember, I teach an entrepreneur in this book, One Minute Millionaire. I says an entrepreneur finds a problem, fixes it, scales it, and makes a vast profit. So he, she, he says, whoa, 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 what a question. What a question. Why don't we do something about it? They created, Norman, not rented lifts, narrative television. They have 14 million people paying $10 a month. Now you're cited and I'm cited, so you're not watching it. But they're, they're the, one of the three biggest streaming services in the world. And that'd be great if that's all they did. But the way I met him is, is a friend of ours sent me his book and said, this is the best book you'll ever read other than one of yours, of course. So you got to read Ultimate Gift. I read it. I was so enchanted. I said, I wrote on the back cover in the Ford, this has got to be a movie. Long story short, made $100 million as a movie. And he now, when we interviewed him for our book, the last line he wrote is, as a blind guy, overcoming adversity with questions, he says, I now write books I can't read. And he's written 50. And he says, I now make movies that I can't watch. And, and the point is, what I'm, I hope you see intrinsic to that story that it gets you out of your pity party. Because you, yes. you don't understand, I got, a, I got a broken fingernail, or I got a run in my nail, nylons, or, or Johnny didn't invite me to his party, or whatever the stuff is. You go compared mm-hmm. to going blind, which I hope you'll agree with this. 87% of your mind is visually oriented. Did you yeah. know that? Uh, no, I didn't. No. Yeah. Well, you, if you sort of try to go through your day with closed eyes and you'll yeah. figure out real quick. Yeah. Yeah. You know, that's one of the things we used to do in my seminars. We'd blindfold somebody and have somebody lead them around for an hour and it changes your perception real quick. Right. Right. Okay. So I think this is what we, I, I, um, I'm just going to, um, assume that some of my listeners out there, I'm just going to go ahead and admit that I have not been 
dancing on a rainbow for the past year as this has all been going on. I've been struggling with this. And um, this is just the kind of story that I need to hear, which is not that, hey, um, this isn't happening or denying it, but it's like, hey, this is happening. You know, something um, challenging has happened, like in the story that you just told, this person um, was facing blindness and they could have gone one direction or another with it. And, uh, you know, they obviously, you know, decided to lean into it. And then what I'm hearing about the questions is it's not about, I guess the questions I'm thinking of are the big questions like, can I have this job or will you marry me or something like that? But just being, it sounded like um, this person was, uh, you know, was open in the moment to this question of, hey, why couldn't we do this? Is, is that what you mean? Is sort of like being prone towards yeah. questions, asking We're questions. We're asking, you got to Exactly correct, Norman. Ask yourself, ask others and ask God. And we're saying, hey, look, everyone out there listening has gone through the same thing. Basically, 8 billion of us have been locked down, which is a moral issue, but we won't go there right now unless you want to. But so what we're saying is, look, to find your destiny if you don't have it, because the number one problem is people don't have a destiny. They say, oh, I got to go get a job. I'm an engineer, so I need an engineer's job. Well, wait a second. What I'm saying is, if you'll go to bed and before you go to sleep, close your outer eyes, tilt your inner eyes up, go inside the stage of your imagination and say, God, what's your destiny for me? God, what's your destiny for me? God, what's your destiny for me? 400 times before you go to sleep. In the middle of the night, you're going to wake up and you're going to have the answer. And you're going to have to tell your sweetie kids, hey, look, I listen to Mark Victor Hansen. He may be a whack job, but he sells a lot of books and I like reading them. <laughs> you got to have a pen next to your bed with paper and because the answer will come, right? Ask and you shall receive. The question is always the prelude to getting it. And most people aren't in their destiny choice, right? And that's why the subtitle of the book is Ask the Bridge from Your Dreams to Your Destiny, because all of us have a great destiny. And, and let me do one other story about being thwarted somebody else. I, I'm a Horatio Alger Award member, and I know the two greatest orchestrators in America, as far as I'm concerned. Now, if you've got somebody else you like, you can have them. But Quincy Jones made a little guy named Michael Jackson. I think you'll remember the. I think that. I've heard of him. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And the other guy is David. Foster, who made somebody named, let's see, Barbara Streisand and Whitney and Celine Dion and a few others. Wow. Both of them got kicked out of school at 13. You'll love that, right? And you say, well, wait a second. Are they uneducable, which is what they're claiming? No, these guys had the music in them, if you'll forgive me for saying it. And how do you, what our testing system is reading, writing, and arithmetic in an SAT school. I'm saying with when you learn how to ask for your destiny and go deep, you're going to find out stuff that you need to know that you didn't know you knew because you're, I believe, and we can discuss this if you want. I believe you're coded at DNA and RNA at birth with a destiny and your job, my job, our job is to find it. And Crystal and I have said, our job is to help everybody find their destiny. I found mine. I'm supposed to write and communicate and run businesses and I do a pretty good job. And I'm a happy camper, but I want everyone to live happily ever after. It's not just for Mark and Crystal. It's for you and me and everyone to get out of this quagmire, out of this mud, out of this withhold consciousness. Yeah, yeah. Does that make um, sense? Fantastic. So let's, you know, of course, you know, people are going to have their appetite whetted by this conversation and we'll have the links to the book and at the podcast episode, but just for people to get kind of, if, if you have any suggestions for a shortcut. So I heard you say, 
you know, 400 times to God on the, uh, you know, as you're going to sleep, what other steps do we want to take to kind of get clear about our destiny? Perfect. That's the macro. So let me do the micro. Back when I went bankrupt in 1974, my goal was to make hundred grand a year. That's $400 per working day, 250 work days. That gives you all vacations off. That's $100,000. So I'd learned this principle and I went, before I went to sleep, closed my outer eyes, opened my inner eyes, go on the stage of my imagination. I go, I'm going to earn $400, 400, 400. I'm going to earn 400, 400. Again, I did it 400 times. I wake up at 2.58 in the morning, my little digital clock next to the bed. And I go, oh my God, holy cow. And first thing it said, state mutual. Now I'm training in a life insurance business. I'm training for Metropolitan, Purdue and Guardian and State Farm, big names. Never heard of state mutual, but God in me knows all of us have infinite intelligence and most of us underuse it. Mm-hmm. You're mm-hmm. to learn this. You're to read this book to know that much. Well, that's not intelligence. That's just real learning. So I wrote down state mutual. And then all of a sudden my mind says, Bill Widener. I never heard of Bill Widener in my whole life. Of Bill Widener. What the hell's a Bill Widener? But I wrote it down. And the next day I put it in my pocket, went about my business, did an early morning talk at eight o'clock. I'm out cold calling before my next talk is at one o'clock. And I go in this building right before lunchtime, and it's a metropolitan building, but it says Bill Widener State Mutual. And I went, holy cow. I go in <laughs> to the front desk. I go back to what I'm going to call the general agent manager's office. He is there thinking I'm trying to get an insurance job. He has me come in, and I've now got my little patter down. That a guy named Chip Collins taught me the four questions to ask because questions are everything. And I said, do you want to cut the check or – uh, Mr. Widener, or do you want to have your secretary cut? He said, no, 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 I'm a big boy. I can write it. He said to me later, I gave you $400 in five minutes. I didn't know if you're ever coming back, but you're so happy. And I felt so good to give it to you. I couldn't resist. I later did training for the whole company, went around the world with them, all kinds of stuff. The point is most people don't understand the most important time to program your mind is right before you go to sleep. But okay. if you go to sleep going and go, I haven't got any money. I haven't got any money. I haven't got any money. I'm not going to be able to hold bills. I'm not going to be able to pay the bills. You go out and find out you can't pay the bills. Yeah. We mentally malpractice. We misprogram our mind to work against ourselves. Does that make sense? It does. It does. Um, that's actually a great specific point. So it's like right before bed, uh, and I've heard that before, but it's it's great to hear it from you. Obviously, you've had uh, uh, plenty of success in your life. Um, so, and is there something specific about four hundred times, uh, or could it be four times, forty times? <laughs> uh, you, you, anyone can do any number they want. Most of you will go to sleep before you do four hundred. But the, here's the point: all of us were born over endowed with this thing called mind, which has, according to everything I read, eighteen billion brain cells. Maybe there's a trillion. I don't know. But the point is to get deep, you got to do one question and go deep, right? I mean, and everybody that's great does the same thing. Is it David Foster in music says, I go in to find the music of the spheres and then I write the greatest songs ever written Well, and, and figure out how it works. I don't know how he does it, but he does it before he goes to sleep at night. He told me one night we were having drinks and dinner together. So I'm going to believe that it works for him. I believe it works for everybody who works it positively and correctly. Now, do I have I tested against four and 40 and 400? I have not. All I know is that when I do this, it's a magic principle. And my wife and I are glad to have notepads next to our bed and pens. And either of us gives the other permission to wake up and write it down 
or dictate it into the phone, which, you know, if we go into the bathroom, which is separate from our bedroom, we just, and both of us have had these breakthrough ideas. I mean, because opportunity is infinite. Mind is infinite. God is a mainframe computer under universe is a mainframe. You and I are mini frames off the mainframe, if you want to do it that way. Awesome. Awesome. So, um, so Helios lifers out there who are listening, if, if nothing, you know, hopefully you're being inspired by this, even during these challenging times, uh, by this conversation with, with Mark. And, um, uh, so one concrete thing that we can take away from this is to try, uh, what Mark's suggesting and bring a question. Is that, is that, would that be right? Well, should we bring the yeah. question? What is, what is my destiny? Is yeah, what, that, God, what is my destiny or what is, universe, my destiny? what is my destiny or infinite intelligence? What is my destiny? I mean, there's 367 names for God. I'm not sure. God doesn't care what you call him. Yeah. God, the universe, whatever, whatever you believe. Um, and uh, so let's try that. Helios lifers. Why not? Uh, you know, <laughs> um, why not? Why not? So uh, as that's a question, I guess, why not? So uh, what else though? What else though, Mark? So let's say we try that. And um, wh what are some of these other, you talked about these areas, self others and God. So that's asking God, what about, what are some questions that we want to ask ourselves and then okay. uh, other people? So in our book, what we're teaching is that you got to know exactly where you are because, you know, even Socrates says, know thyself, right? In a way, so you got to know exactly where you are because like, if I want somebody to pick me up in an Uber car, I got to tell them, here's my address and here's where I'm going. So yeah. the first phase is where am I? Second phase, we're to, and, and it's got a lot of little questions, you know, how old am I? All that stuff. And the second phase is what do I want to do? Where do I want to go to the nth degree? And I, you know, back when I was nobody and I was getting rejected by all these publishers, I said, I want to be world's best selling author. Well, pretty august, but this, I just got author of the year award a, a little bit ago. I don't know. If, can you see that? I don't know if we're on camera I, or not here. Oh, yeah. Anyway, so, you know, it, by the way, I didn't know such a thing existed. So it's not something you solicit. They solicited me. So I said, even though we're locked down, you're selling more books. And everybody said, why don't we uh, give you this award? And I go, okay. I came right. home because your state's closed and uh, it isn't going to happen. So, although they planned on having a giant event, but they didn't, I, I think we're going to open. And then the third phase is if it were perfect ideal, what would it look like? What would your life look like? Who are you working with? Who are you talking to? How much money are you making? How much you're, you know, I think travel is going to open up again. Where do you live, Norman? Uh, Seattle. Yeah. I mean, you want historically one of the more beautiful cities where they throw fish at each other. down. <laughs> you know, it's we're all it's, just throwing fish at each other. Well, not these days, but yeah. yeah, yeah. Not these days. Or the markets aren't open down there, I guess. Okay. So, but I've had great time in Seattle. The uh, air is clean and fresh. And historically it was anyhow, when I've been there and loved every minute and been to the tower. And anyhow, so the point is, what do you want to do? Who do you want to do it with? Where do you want to go? And, and, you know, in the old days, before COVID, we could say the world is your oyster and you're here to find your destiny and then go take advantage of it. Well, I believe by April, the world will be open again for a whole smorgasbord of reasons. And as it opens up, you've got to be ready because a few of us that are ready are going to get to go. And, and we're having, I know this sounds terrible to somebody who hasn't got everything going for him, but, you know, because we've worked through this thing every day and, and around the clock, my wife and I, we got tons of phenomenal opportunities. There's going to be a new internet. There's new publishers. There's new social media. There's in my industry, you know, everybody wants better and more content and they're asking us, will we do it? And 
We're going, holy cow, you know, hopefully we can accept it. But I'm saying potentially that's available to everybody if they use their individual potential to ask themselves, who do I want to be? Ask yourself, what do I want to do? Ask yourself, what do I want to have? And then really go into your inner knower and, and release the hidden splendor to the, the bigness of your belief system. And if you don't believe you've got the confidence to do it, all you got to do is believe. Mark Victor Hansen says, you've got the confidence, you can do it. Keep telling yourself, I can, and then go do it. Mark Victor Hansen has given us permission to, to go ahead and, and fulfill our destinies. Hell yes, lifers. So let's, let's move forward on that. Um, yeah, I have to say my, my own um, experience with some of the, I mean, it sounds like, I don't, I don't know if this is kind of in the realm of kind of manifestation or, you know, the secret and things like that, or at least pieces of it. Um, correct me if I'm wrong, but I, I definitely have had, um, I, I could say that the house that I'm living in now was one of these things where we put to, put together a little bit of a, a you know mini vision board of what we were looking for in our next house. And then I was, you know, just went out and looking at, at different places. We saw this place. And one of the things was that it had an upstairs and it was like, I, I didn't know that this place had an upstairs until I got here. I was like, oh, that's interesting. Because so when you when you put your vision, when you articulate your vision to yourself, now you know what you're looking for, right? So it's not just um, uh, it's just some random thing. And and anyway, it seemed like we weren't going to get the house, and then we got a random phone call. We ended up getting it, and here we are. And it's just like one example. I guess I would say also my wife and I. I, I won't go into the story, but you know, it felt very much like um, we sort of manifested each other in some ways, but, um, but, uh, and yet, and, and then one other, one other example, I'll, I'll be brief is I, I, I don't consider myself, um, aligned to a particular religion, but I was raised Catholic. And one remnant of that, that I still have is when I lose something, I pray to St. Anthony because St. Yeah. Anthony is the, the, uh, saint of lost things or whatever the official name is. And that works like 90% of the time. And I'm always, it's just like this higher intelligence that's leading me to lift up my coat and there's my lost keys or something like that. And so I sometimes think, oh, if I could just tap into St. Anthony for my whole life. And I think that's kind of what you're talking about here. Um, you can know. That's the point. If yeah. you need an intercessor, you know, St. Anthony is there to do it. Or if you're driving around, you want safety in your car, you do St. Michael, right? Whatever you want to do. Yeah. E each of these works. And, and uh, I'll just talk to the, the writing stuff and visualizing it because one of my cliches and i got a whole quote book of course but it says whatever you want wants you and and the point is is that it does that house wanted you and because you had put it out right conscious yeah. goes into subconscious into super conscious comes back voila here's the house here's the second floor here's the house that you've been dreaming about and scheming for and then you couldn't get it and then you got it because it was yours in advance because the spiritual line out of Isaiah says, I call those things that are not as though they were and they came to be. After I went through a really painful divorce, I was only married once before, I wrote down crazy stuff you couldn't ask for. I wrote down 267 things I needed in my ideal wife. She, these are the qualities, these are the attributes, <laughs> these are the value. We had to have the same spiritual values. We had to have the same life values. She had to have her own money. She had to have her own business because I don't want somebody marrying me for my wallet. That's not my thing. She's got to not only be attractive, but decide to stay fit. Like I was up, you know, way before dawn exercising this morning and I exercised six, six days a week at least. And, and so does she. I mean, it, and then we got to be, we both take more nutrition, nutraceuticals than anybody alive, just because I'm going to live to be 127 with options for renewal. I'm 73. 
and I can do more push-ups than most 20-year-olds. So, and, you know, because I'm fit. And why would you ever let yourself not get fit? I mean, holy cow. I mean, it, but it's a discipline. And it's, you know, sometimes you don't want to get up. And sometimes you don't want to do all the push-ups I do or whatever it is, the uh, weights. But the point is, anyone can do it. But I wrote 267 things, never told her until after we got married. I said, here's the list. We ultimately put the list in the 20th anniversary issue um, of the book. And the first story is, is, you know, finding your soulmate and she's my twin flame. I don't know if you can see any of that, uh, but it was, it was, it was amazing. You know, she had to have a great personality, be a superb conversation, be wise, witty, wonderful, imaginative, monogamous, philanthropic before I showed up, right. Have a smile all the time, be clean, neat, smell good naturally. I mean, most <laughs> people, what do they do? They say, I want me a hot babe. If you're a guy. And if you're a woman, I want them tall, dark and handsome and maybe a millionaire, right? Pretty, not bad, but superficial, not deep enough. That's why I'm saying you. the reason we wrote ask is because what are you asking for is what you're going to get. If you ask for a little, you get a little. This, my, my statement, one of my many quotes is the size of your question, Norman, determines the size of your result. No one else ever asked to be world's best-selling author, as far as I know. Now, you could have somebody come up to you tomorrow and say, I did that before Mark, but I haven't read it, right? And and if they if they and I have a lot of people tell me they're going to outsell me, and I said, go for it, go for it. I need the competition. I, there's there's eight billion people. Let's get them all to read somebody's books. I don't care if they're not mean. I mean, if I never sold another book, I'm fine. I'm I'm fed for the rest of my life. The point is, and and you know, we did a, a whole book even on just that, like. Because so many people say to me, I want to write a book. So we just finished a book, which you can go to markvictoransen.com. It's called, You Have a Book in You. And I say, look, the best book hasn't been written because you haven't written it yet. Do I think everyone should write a book and have a story go like this? Yeah. I mean, just, you know, so you say, well, what are you doing? It is a wonderful time to be alive. And yes, we've got some problems, but there's never been a time in history where we don't have problems. Right, right, right. Yeah, that's really helpful. It's helpful to, to just hear that. And Helios Lifers, you know, wherever you may be in this this journey that we're on right now uh, in this unique time, um, uh, hopefully you're getting some nuggets of wisdom from um, from Mark Victor Hansen here. Uh, Mark, I want to make sure that we, I wanted to ask you, I'm just so curious about, um, and I think it's, it will relate to everything you're talking here, uh, talking about here in your new book, but I, I'm just wondering if you could take us back to the origins of Chicken Soup for the Soul. Like how, how did you and Jack Canfield do it? You know, what was, where did this, where did it all come from? Uh, Jack and I both fortuitously were talking on the same program and never physically met yet. Um, he was way in the morning and I was at, way at night at 6,000 people at Mandala Conference in San Diego. And I'm done selling all the books and signing my uh, books at the time. And he comes up and said, uh, I'm Jack. I said, yeah, I got it clear. You're Dr. Jack Canfield. I know you. You sold uh, 101 Ways to Build Self-Esteem in Classroom. He said, you know me? I said, yeah, you give out the Golden Apple Award. And and, and so he said, well, can I take you to dinner? I've never heard anyone talk like you and tell stories the way you tell stories. And I said, sure, sure. I don't want to drive back in traffic. It's five o'clock at night in San Diego and there's nothing but traffic from here back to, I lived in Newport Beach over the ocean at the time. I said, no, 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 I'd love to chat with you. And, and we became best friends and I taught him how to do these stories. And then we decided to do it. And then we spent three years writing it and then 104 publisher, 144 publishers the joke is, he said, hit the road, Jack. And I said, look, it's okay if you don't like him, but I'm a nice guy. <laughs> the coup de gras is that our agent fired us. 
And so we got, we went to the ABA, American Bookseller Association. I thought I'd died and gone to heaven. I mean, one of my many, many heroes is Mark Twain. And Mark Twain said, heaven will be an endless library for those of us who love to read. And now I'm with 60,000 people in the business. And I go, wow, I, I didn't know that it existed. Now Jack and I are there for three days and nobody's buying us still. Finally, we got one little publisher that we didn't know at the time was bankrupt, HCI. And uh, there were 17 million upside down, some problems they were having. They said, we'll take your book if you'll buy 20,000 at six, meaning the guy wanted to keep eating. But we sold those and then and, and bought them at $6 each, which is not the best deal for us, but we just wanted distribution and he had it. And then all of a sudden we're selling 20,000 a week and New York Times will not put us as number one. Now, a New York Times list here, I'll show it to you on the wall. Those are what they look like, right? We're number one for 58 weeks with number one. And then we were number 50, next 58 weeks, one and two, and then, uh, third helping and chicken soup of the Christian soul and um, teenage soul and all that. We sold 19 million the first year, but our publisher said, well, I don't know how to get you in New York Times. So I call up the lady, Jack. I said, she went to Harvard. You should call her. Jack, who is, you know, is not a salesman says, I can't do that. She'll reject me. And I go, God, you're a crimson member. I, I couldn't even get into Harvard. You know, you're so smart. You're a third in your class. I said, look, let me handle it. I don't care if she rejects me. You know, you won't get kicked out of Harvard uh, uh, alumni program. I call up this woman and she says, you are a multi-authored book. Like that's going to surprise me. I didn't know I was a multi-authored book. And, and, and she's snobby and, and she's not, she's dead now. So I can do this. I will not mention her name, but you know, she was arrogant and sophomoric. And I thought, you don't do multi-authored books. She says, sir, we're the New York Times, like, oh, yeah, my mother would have, a, as, as an immigrant, would have a great line for you, lady. Anyhow, I said, you're sure, you're sure, you're absolutely positive. She said, I am positive. I said, well, you know, you put the New York Times bestseller list, the Bible. And I just, just for your information, it's got 66 authors, normal authors. And if we do maps, it's 720. She said, boy, you're in next week. I said, thank you very much. That's all I wanted. <laughs> and on with the New York Times uh, a lot now. In, in COVID, there's not they're not doing it because they're the list come out of uh, this is probably too much story for your people, but out of Barnes Noble and you know Barnes Noble's at a major shopping center. They're a hundred thousand a month, and they said there's COVID was going to last two weeks, and then it's four mm. weeks, and now it's almost a year. That's a million two hundred thousand dollars that that poor franchisee is going. Aah! Yeah, and, and so they're not paying their book bills. So the only place we can sell books is on Amazon, right. which it breaks my heart. I love bookstores. Please don't. I hope you haven't. I haven't misrepresented. I love bookstores. I love yeah. bookstore people. I love librarians. They've been phenomenal to me. And I'm sure we can all all can't wait to get back into a, a bookstore or a library as as soon as possible. Uh, so exactly. hopefully I'm hoping your predictions are right there about later this year. Um, I'm uh, I want to be mindful of your time. Um, do you mind if I ask a couple other questions sure, about your sure, story? there? I, I want to go back because you, you, you know, you kind of were like, oh, and we got together and then we put these stories together and then here we go. But but how did you? You know, that that was a particular choice to, hey, we're going to gather these stories together. And then I also wanted to point out that you went through 144 no's. So it sounds like part of asking is also just to keep asking, right? Not just to ask once and then you're done, right? You keep asking right. until you get the, the answer you're looking for. 
Um, but first, like, how did you, how did you decide, Hey, this is our, this is our recipe for success. We're going to gather these stories and, and what were the ingredients of the stories? Were they inspiring stories? Um, you know, yeah. How did you decide to do that in particular? At the front end, it was mostly my stories because I've been doing this a little longer than Jack. And, and I knew what stories worked to sell a lot of product. And that's what I taught Jack. And then he said, well, let's do this. And then what we did is we came up with, first of all, the seven discernments to do it. First of all, the story had to cause goosebumps, God bumps, or chili bumps. <laughs> Second, it had to cause instantaneous behavioral change. So we're asking ourselves about these things. Next, it had to cause a perceptional change and it had to be like that. Next, it had to be three pages or less. And what we did is we got 38 points that we test every story on, but like on perceptual change, little fourth graders are fighting, little Johnny and little Sammy, and teacher says, Sammy, you go over there, Johnny, you go over there. She puts a ball in the center of the table and says, what color is it black? What color is it white? Black, white, black. Are you stupid? You can't see what color it is. She says, boys, switch side, and it was half black and half white. <laughs> and that's perceptual. <laughs> and so those are the seven kind of things that we te taught, and, and a story had to fit – that would be, we'd call the curbs on the highway we were gonna do. So we knew the stories worked and it worked every time. And then like when we did Chicken Soup with the Teenage Soul, our publisher said, look, you guys, I got teenagers. They buy CDs, concert tickets and clothes. They ain't buying your book. My kids go to the mall with $50 and they come back and I said, what happened to it? And I said, the mall ate it, dad. And I, they <laughs> said they buy clothes, concert tickets and, and, and uh, CDs back then. Yeah. Right, this is before iTunes and all that. And I said, okay. We sold 19 million the first year because we tested the book because we say feedback is a breakfast of champions. Mm -hmm. And we tested it with Nickelodeon. It's a long story how we got there, but they sent out 12,000 copies. We took off the name of the author. So you didn't know if it was Irma Bombach or Mark or Jack or Art Buckwald or anyone famous. Um, Robert Fulgham, the guy, everything I need to learn, I learn in kindergarten who I adore his writing. I just, there's a lot of phenomenal, phenomenal writers that people say, well, aren't you in competition? I said, I love this guy. I've read everything he's or she has written a lot of yeah. on both sides. Anyhow. So, uh, is that enough answer? Do you want me? Oh, oh so what no. Jack and I did is we got together, we found the best stories that we thought we tested all of them. And then every day we worked together two days a week, uh, either he, at his office or my office, we tested it. And then we worked for two hours, talked for two hours, and we were visualizing and dreaming what would happen if we pulled off magic that, by the way, the amount of people, including our spouses at the time, uh, were sure that we couldn't do what we were saying we were going to do. And they said, you guys are squandering your time. Why don't you just go out and talk and make money? And I said, no, 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 no. This is going to be the penultimate of books. We both sold a lot of books, but not anything close to what we're trying to do right now. Mm, that's amazing. Just to get a little insight into uh, the origins of, of the, the largest selling book series of all time, Chicken Soup for the Soul. Amazing, amazing stuff. Well, Mark, I, um, thank you so much for spending some time with us today. I feel um, a little lightened in, in uh, as far as, it, you know, my soul is a little, I, I think it's been a little chicken soup for my soul today to spend a little time with you. And, um, and hopefully for my listeners as well. Um, is there, uh, is, is there anything that you would like to, um, you know, make sure and mention like, uh, where, where would we want to go to find out more information about you or your new book? Well, we'd like everyone to go at Amazon is available worldwide and, and get a copy of ask the bridge from your dreams or destiny by crystal and Mark Victor Hansen. Um, and then go to ask 
thebookclub.com, askthebookclub.com, and it's free. And we're going to teach people, teach everyone who gets on how to be a master asker. And these are wonderful times we're having together because we really want to elevate humanity and, and we want to give everybody their destiny. And then third, if they go to my website, markvictoranson.com, like I told you earlier, right now we're giving away a free copy of How to Be Up and Down Times, which I did with Mitzi Purdue and everybody's had Purdue chicken. If you've ever gone to Costco and bought their little chicken for $4.99, you got a Purdue chicken. It's organic <laughs> and antibiotic free and all that stuff. <laughs> okay. It sounds good. And we'll have links to everything you just mentioned in the show notes. Thank you. Um, and uh, th thank you so much for joining us. I always like to wrap things up by, I, I didn't mention this, so you tell me if this is okay with you. Um, we typically will say, hell yes, on the count of three together. Are you willing to do that? Sure. Okay. What? So we're going to go, hell yes, like that. One, two, three. Hell, hell yeah. yes. All right. Mark Victor Hansen, thank you so much for joining us. My pleasure. Thanks for joining me for this episode of the Hell Yes Life podcast. You can subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, or your favorite RSS feed. If you like the show, please leave a rating and review. And if you want to stay connected, visit hellyeslife.com and sign up for the e-newsletter and private Facebook group. Again, I'm Norman Bell. Thanks for joining me. Now let's get out there and live a hell yes life.